Jesus being born in Bethlehem and Judah, they would ultimately reject him. They didn't want anything to do with him. And even when he goes back to Nazareth, they initially received him, hoping to see some miracle and miracles, things that they could see. And it wouldn't be long that they would reject him too. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, awestruck with. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. After two days, Jesus left Samaria and returned to the area of Galilee. However, Jesus testified that a prophet had no honor in his own country. The Galilee was Jesus' country where he grew up. Because these people felt so familiar with Jesus, they didn't honor him the way they should have. In this, we recognize that they really were not familiar with Jesus. If they were, they would have honored him all the more. And I pray, Lord, please help us to know you more so that we may honor you more. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 4 of the Gospel of John. And it's totally racked everything and everybody, and it's, it's messed up everything. <laughs> a disease that has a 99.8% survival rate. Isn't that interesting? Our whole world was upended. Kind of makes you go, hmm, something is going on. And it is. But many people are hurting right now, and the harvest is right now. So be sensitive to that as we go out in July and August to the neighborhoods around here. We'll go two by two. It, it, and and the, the weather is usually nice. We'll go out only when it's sunny. If it's really thunderstorming, we'll stay inside here and have a, you know, our normal study and worship time. But it's a beautiful time, and it'll stretch you a little bit, which is good. I need to be stretched, don't you? Because unless I'm put in a place where I'm stretched, I, I just I don't grow as well. But when I'm kind of put up to the task, when I'm challenged by something, that's how I grow. That's how you and I grow. I don't grow if I stay stagnant. If your Christianity is boring, if you're like, you know, I know I'm saved, but, you know, I just don't have any desire for anybody. I don't even have a desire to read the Word of God. Well, the problem is, is you've gotten lazy. You've gotten lazy, and and the Lord is no longer, you're not allowing him to challenge you in his word anymore. You're taking the word as for, you know, this is good for somebody else, not me. No, you need to be the first partaker of that word. You do. I need to as well. I, we all do. If we stay still, we're going to grow moss on our back. We cannot stay still. We have to keep moving forward in Christ continually growing. Don't let your life get into a place because that's really when people start falling off and dropping off the map. It doesn't mean they're going to lose their salvation, but you become ineffective. 
and you're no longer effective for the Lord anymore. Don't get like that. Pray about that. Verse 36, And he who reaps, notice, receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But what? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of those things can happen and it's a deposit for you in heaven. You're going to receive rewards for the things that you do now in this body in Christ on this earth until Jesus returns for us in the rapture. We will be rewarded for things that we have done. I like that. And you know what? If I only get to heaven by the skin of my chinny-chin-chin and I have no crowns, believe me, I'm going to be one happy camper. But I would be even happier of a camper if the Lord had given me crowns that I would just lay at his feet again and say, God, all these things that you've allowed me to, to, uh, to do in your name, it's all because of you. It's all because of you. I don't deserve these. These are all because of your spirit working, and I just had to relinquish my life. And, you know, he who seeks his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will gain it. I've lost my life for you, Lord, and, and I've gained everything. And all of these, whatever, if there's only one, if there's none, I give them back to you. I cast them at your feet. You alone are worthy. And oh, how wonderful that day will be. Amen. Verse 37, for in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. And that's what this woman was doing of Samaria. She was sowing and, and reaping. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored, and others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, he says this. He says, who then is Paul, or who is Apollos? They're nothing but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And then he goes on and he says, so then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward. There it is. According to his own labor, he's going to receive a reward. I want to receive that award. Not because I'm greedy for rewards, but I think in, in heaven it's going to be a big deal to be able to, to give to the Lord and to express that love and gratitude for what he has done in my life and what he's doing in yours and to lay that at his feet and say, God, I am so grateful that you would use me when I was on death's door. I deserve nothing. Notice verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. This word testified is martyrio. This is uh, where, we, uh, where we get our word martyr. She is a witness. She's a witness of who Jesus is. She gave a good report. And she's an eyewitness of who he is. And then verse 40, So then, or excuse me, So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, with them, excuse me, and he stayed there for two days. Two days. And many more believed because of, guess what? His own word. Word of God speak. Would you fall down like rain, washing my eyes to see of your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God speak. He stayed there two days with them. These people that nobody wanted anything to do with. And I love that about Jesus. Jesus is not a bigoted. He's not prejudiced. 
He's not racist, and neither should we. Amen? We're all from the same race, the human race, from Adam. Scientifically, that's right on the money. Right on the money. We all came from the same. Verse 42, he says, Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said. We we enjoyed what you said. I, I, I wish I knew her name. We enjoy what you've told us, but now we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed, this is indeed Christ, the Savior of the world. Isn't this the goal of every human being, especially every Christian? And this is why we need to tell others. And can you wait? Can't you wait to tell? I mean, I love to tell people about Jesus. The thing I get discouraged at is when nobody wants to hear about it. But that doesn't mean that we don't talk about it. We continue to engage is it, is, it, is it comfortable to engage somebody with Christ? No, it's probably one of the most hard things in the world because the devil doesn't want you to, he wants you to shut up. He wants to silence you. He wants to censor you. <laughs> he wants to censor you. And you know how that feels when you're witnessing to somebody and everything within you is going, you better run and hide. That's the devil. And you just fight through it. And it is not easy, is it? But that's what we're called to do. Isn't that the great commission that Jesus shared with us in Matthew 28? Go and make disciples of all nations. All nations, not just the Jews. No, he's the Savior of the world. Not just the Jews. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, which means they had to come to faith first, right? So now they're a believer. Not baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded with you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We are at the end of the age. People have been saying that for a long time, but I tell you what, as the days go on, and especially after 2020, (laughs) I'm looking, I'm like, man, we are closer than we've ever been. We're close, folks. Don't get lazy and think, you know, oh, the Lord delays his coming. No, he's not delaying his coming. It's right on time. And when he comes, I want to be caught up. The only thing I want people to see is the bottom of my sneakers. Vans off the wall. He's gone. Notice that it was a people that didn't ask for God, these Samaritans who found him, who found God. They found him. Nobody wanted to be around them. They weren't even looking for him, but he found them. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 6. We're going to read through verse 6 through 21 here. This is an important part. Romans 10, verse 6. It says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Now skip down to verse 8. It says, But what is it? It says, The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith which we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew 
and the Gentile or the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And this was demonstrated, wasn't it, in Jesus' life as he ministered to this woman who was uh, of mixed, mixed race or mixed uh, racial, you know, she's mixed um, ethnic, right? For whoever calls upon the Lord, notice, whoever, whoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. And this woman, if you remember, she was exactly that person, bringing good tidings of good things to a people that everyone wanted to forget about. They were like a stain on society. Uh, We just bypassed them. We don't want to go through their land unless we become defiled. But God sent this woman, and they have not all, for they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes. Verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. He's speaking of, of, of Israel now. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. Now this is not only speaking of the Gentiles, you and I, but it's also speaking of these Samaritans. He's going to provoke them to jealousy by a people that are not a people. By a foolish nation, I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold, verse 20. And he said, I was found of them that sought me not. That's exactly what the Samaritans were. They weren't seeking God, but he was found of them that sought me not. And I was made manifest unto them that asked not for me. But to Isaiah, he said, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Jesus, as he spoke to the Jews, they would reject him. They would reject him, but he would go to the man up north, Cornelius, a Gentile. Peter would go there and he would speak to him, and the Gentiles gladly received Jesus. Now it says in verse 43, now after the two days... He departed from there and went to Galilee. Because remember, uh, Galilee or Judah is down here in the south part, and then Samaria is in the middle part of Israel, and then Galilee is in the northern part. So he went from Judah down there to, to be at the Passover. That's where he spoke with Nicodemus. Now he goes through Samaria. He's there for a couple of days. He's there for two days, and all of this happens. And now he's going to continue going north into Galilee. And it says in verse 44, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Jesus, being born in Bethlehem in Judah, they would ultimately reject him. They didn't want anything to do with him. And even when he goes back to Nazareth, they initially received him, hoping to see some miracle and miracles, things that they could see. And it wouldn't be long that they would reject him too. So verse 45, when he came to Israel, or came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen, notice, all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, which is the Passover. For they also had gone to the feast. And notice, 
Our last section here. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he made water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So Cana is this little town uh, southwest of Capernaum. Capernaum is there on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. We visit both of these places when we go to Israel, and it's really remarkable because you see the terrain. And um, whenever you're in Capernaum, you're, you're down in the in the in the lake area, and there's mountains all around you. And as you go up to Cana, you're going up. You're going up into Cana, and so this man who we're going to be talking about, had to walk all the way from Capernaum because he left his son back in Capernaum who was sick and near to death. And he heard about Jesus and he was hoping that he would come and heal him. So then he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee. So he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son because he's in Cana. So he's going to physically walk down from Cana. That's his hope is that he would come down to Capernaum. And then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. He knew that their motivation was not the best. He knew they were just looking for miracles. But he saw something in this man. And um, uh, Because remember, prior to this miracle that Jesus is going to do, he made water wine at Cana. And by this time, the people knew all about it. And so he became uh, a miracle worker. And there's an unfortunate slogan, seeing is believing. Is that biblical? No. (laughs) What is? (laughs) Seeing is not necessarily believing, but believing is seeing, isn't it? Believing is seeing. So the nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, you go your way, your son lives. Notice, he just said that. He didn't even need to go down. Because it's about 16 to 20 miles away in very rough terrain. Jesus looked at this man and he says, Go your way, your son lives. So that man had a choice to make, didn't he? He says, Go your way, your son lives. And so the man, notice, believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. Here's the word of God speak again. He spoke the word of God to him. This is what he said to him. Go your way and your son lives. Now, the man had a choice. He could say, oh, oh come on, man. You've got you to at least lay your hands on him. I mean, it's not going to work unless you physically touch him, right? I mean, you've you got to be there. And Jesus is like, no, go. Your son lives. And so he could either believe that or not. And his faith is going to grow because of what Jesus does. Because as he was going down now, he's going down from Cana, he's going down geographically, down to Capernaum, down there in, in, uh, down by the Sea of Galilee. His servants met him as he was getting close to Capernaum, and they said, Your son lives. And then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour. The fever left him. And so the father knew that it was at that same hour which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself, notice, he believed. And his whole household, he believed the word. He heard the word. And he believed it. And God saved his son. I wonder what would have happened if the man said, You know what? I I bet his son wouldn't have been healed. Think of the father. He could have said, you know what, 
I, I, I'm not going to fall for that. You've got to come physically or I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to happen. And Jesus, okay. Jesus would probably say, okay, your son will be with me shortly. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. I mean, I'm not Jesus, but I think there was something about this. The man expressed and grew in his faith. And so the father knew, and he himself believed in his whole household. So what have we heard? We're going to end here, and then we'll take communion. Thanks for your patience. What has the word of God told us, for us today, that we wait for yet, by faith? The rapture. Didn't Jesus say, To his disciples in that upper room, what did he tell them? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But notice what he said. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may uh, that I will come to you. And uh, let me just read it. (laughs) I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Where is Jesus right now? He's in heaven. He's going to receive us to himself. That's the rapture of the church, right? He's going to rapture us. If you have any questions about that, come see me. But that's a serious and, and a, a promise that God has made. He has told us that he is going to come. And we, in Romans, it says not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, when you receive Jesus into your heart and the Spirit of God indwells you, you have the first fruits of the Spirit, the, the down payment, if you will, the earnest. For even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, in other words, the redemption of our body. For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is not seen, excuse me, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly await for it with perseverance. And that's what the faith is. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Didn't Jesus just tell us that he's going to return for us? He's putting his down payment of the spirit of God in us. If you're a believer and you're born again, but now he's, that's just the earnest. That's the down payment. Now he's going to actually redeem your body. And he does that at the rapture. That's when the deal is sealed. That's when he finally puts his final payment, which he's already purchased by his blood. He will come back and say, Now, I'm going to take you bodily. Just as I rose from the grave, you are going to raise in like manner, and you will have a resurrected body that will be able to withstand eternity. I'm looking forward to that upgrade. Looking forward to that. Because every day I get up and my knees (laughs) and my back... Of course, I need to lose about 20 pounds, but that's beside the point. We'll finish with this verse. First John chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. That's allowing the, the work of the Holy Spirit to continue to work in our lives. That's what I want. I want the word of God to dwell in me richly, changing me and changing others. Isn't that what you want too? And so let's pray and we'll take communion together. Father, we just thank you for this time together. And Lord, how we pray that you'd bless our time as we take communion together. In Jesus' name.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.